Hey, this is Ed Banger Thrasher, one half of the former WWF Tag Team Champions of the World. You're listening to another wrestling podcast. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. They got the answers. I change the questions. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. These are the best in the world, brother. These are the best in what they do. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. Another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast. Now can you dig that sucker? <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another wrestling podcast. I'm Steve Credo. And I'm Jonathan Benjamin. Stay tuned because joining us on the show today, we have a former tag team champion, a former hardcore champion. He is one half of the Headbangers. We have Glenn Ruth joining us. Thrasher will be on in a little bit. Jonathan, are are you phoning this in via satellite or, I mean, via, via telephone? Yeah, I am uh, in the land of uh, milk and honey. I don't know what that means, but I am uh, coming to you live from Indiana, my home away from home. Um, And I've been out here for a little over a week. There was uh, a lot of wrestling going on out here, believe it or not. And I went to the NXT indie show, um, and there's it was a it was an amazing show and got a lot of uh, got a lot of press. Steve, I don't know if you realize this, but we had um, Finn Baylor before the NXT Indie Show actually got injured in Nashville, Tennessee, wow. and so he actually had to pull out of the, the for comp- competition at the NXT Indie Show. So Finn was going to take on Baron Corbin, and that did not happen. So it was they scrapped that and had. Sammy versus Corbin versus Samoa Joe in a triple threat match, and Sammy walked away with the win, but um, not before we got to see Finn. Um, He came out after Bailey had a match, and Bailey called for him to come out, and he came out on crutches due to his injury, and I believe that he injured it doing his coup de gras finisher which uh. I believe is a very dangerous finisher and it was only really a matter of time before you know he yeah. got injured with that yeah, that's but, right. um, did they ever say anything about how long he's going to be out or did he mention anything like that or no when he was there he kind of talked about it and said it wasn't severe and um, you know he was going to get reevaluated um, this past Monday and uh, we're going to see but I've heard that he's supposed to be ready for NXT Albany, which we will be going to soon. So definitely, um, well, that's fingers, good news. Yeah, fingers crossed. But we got to see Bailey and him were in the ring, and they really had great chemistry, and were talking and stuff. And Finn said, "You know, is there something that?" Or Bailey said, "Is there something that I can do to make you feel better?" And everybody thought that she was just going to hug him, and he went over and whispered in her ear, and she went back to back and. Finn's music hit, and she came out and did the entire Baylor Club entrance, um, which was awesome, and everybody totally got into it, but um, it was great. There was a report that Finn fell when he was coming down the the ramp, but um, I didn't really see it. He, you know, like, did a bump in the ring. Yeah, I saw that on the video, but yeah, I didn't see that, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if people were just, Those crazy dirt sheets, those crazy sheets, man, you can't believe them. That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, that, that's a very good um, topic, I guess, because Finn was injured, and you know, the the whole wrestling world is still kind of mourning from uh, the sudden retirement of Daniel Bryan. So I think that you hit it again. I think maybe today we should kind of talk about some of the uh, wrestlers, maybe who 
or forced to retire too soon. You know, Daniel Bryan, we're just coming off of that. You know, the man, we didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, it's it, man. That's it. He's done. He's retired uh, for injuries that whatever they saw in his brain or whatever. Uh, uh, the, he's, he admitted he had a bunch of concussions throughout the years, throughout his career. Um, you know, that's it takes a toll on your body. And, you know, uh, a lot of these moves, man, that these guys are doing, I think they got to realize if you want a lengthy career, you definitely have to, to space it out. And poor, poor Daniel Bryan, Jonathan, any uh, thoughts briefly about that? I mean, it's a shame. I mean, I, I got to see his last Ring of Honor match before he moved up into the WWE. Uh, and, you know, I, I feel like I, I've been there his whole career for the WWE, and now it's done. It's it's amazing, and it, it's sad. And uh, But, you know, first and foremost, you know, his health is more important. Uh, but, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame, I guess, that it, it came to an end so soon, right? Yeah, but you know what? Uh, it's crazy to think he was one of those guys, similar to Shawn Michaels, that everybody thought wouldn't succeed because he wasn't as big as Hulk Hogan or, you know, The Rock or somebody like that. But he really kind of captivated everybody that was watching wrestling. And, um, you know, he was an indie guy, which carried a lot of weight for a lot of the other guys that came in after him. And, um, had some very amazing matches and, you know, the whole thing with Connor's cure that he helped with. And, um, I hope that they keep him on in some sort of ambassador role or maybe he's the GM or whatever, but, um, he's such a great talent. Every time that I met him, he was, uh, just great to talk to and a stand up guy. Um, I think that his accomplishments will continue to be looked upon over the years as, you know, really, really great. Um, especially for being quote unquote, uh, you know, a B plus player. So, well, J- um, John, do you think we're going to see him in the hall of fame this year or they're not going to do the same thing like they did? Uh, I don't know. You think it's too soon right now or we'll wait a I, year I maybe? Do. I do. I think it's, I think it's too soon. And it's not that he hasn't had a hall of fame career. Um, he, he definitely has, but I, I just, give I it time to breathe kind of right. Give it, give him some yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I mean, like I said, you know, we've, we've seen a lot. A lot of these injuries are happening. Uh, Jonathan, a lot of wrestlers have gone too soon and forced into retirement. Uh, there's a long laundry list, if you will. Uh, maybe we could touch upon some of these guys and get our thoughts about it, right? Yeah, no, I think that it's uh, it's something that we should talk about. And, you know, we've we've brought up this question before, and I'll, I'll ask you right now. Um, you know, with, with thousands of shows a year, um, you know, whether it be independent or WWE or whatever, these guys are typically working almost 300 nights a year, probably. Um, do you think that wrestling needs some sort of off season or, you know, we've even brought up the fact that they maybe need to do a roster split because that would kind of help with, uh, taking the toll off some of these guys. Um, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, you know, it's a combination of spreading out the shows because, I mean, we could talk about any other kind of promotion out there from from Lucha Underground to Ring of Honor to TNA to WWE, uh, of course, you know, any any of any and all these promotions. But I think more importantly, if we just focus on the 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 king of the mountain, uh, WWE, if you will. Uh, from you can count on your hand how many shows they have a week. Uh, with the main roster alone, you got. Raw, you got SmackDown, and then I know, granted, they're all taping in one night, but you have the main event and whatnot. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on every week, and especially three hours on Monday of uh, wrestling. Uh, and these guys are traveling at the same time and also doing house shows during the week, so there's a lot of shows going on, a lot of things happening. And it's like, you know, like we said at the beginning of the show, Finn Balor uh, hurt his foot doing this high risk move. A lot of these moves, man, I wouldn't be surprised if they just cut them out and then just save them for, like, WrestleMania or the pay-per-views. Like, you'll never see these guys do these moves on a house show or on a TV taping. Like, they're going to have to give them, like, a regular finisher. And then if they're going to do something high risk, it's only going to be, like, once a month kind of a thing, I think. Uh, I don't know. It's something, It's going to be something like that. But, it, you know, it, you have all these guys wrestling all week, nonstop, for how many plus days a year, how many weeks out of the year. Uh, it, it, something has to come to a point to where, you know, what don't we need anymore kind of thing. They definitely have to figure out a better system. Uh, they have so many wrestlers, man. So many wrestlers that there's, you know, you don't even know what to do with them anymore. 
you have groups like the Social Outcasts, four guys that they just don't know what to do with anymore, so they threw them together. Then you have the League of Nations, another bunch of guys that they didn't know what to do with, so they threw them together. Uh, it's like there's an overabundance of talent that they kind of just need to figure out what they want to do with and spread them out and, you know, give everybody uh, a time to shine and, you know, split it up. I mean, granted, if you're a champion, you could be on every show kind of a thing, but these other guys, they really just need to give them, like, that little bit of a spotlight on TV so that they're known and then just do, like, a house show here and there. You know, it's... I don't know the system. I don't know how to separate it, but, I mean, it's they definitely need to look at the books again and figure something out because with all these injuries happening, man, and now, you know, the end of Daniel Bryan's career, a lot of your top guys are out because their bodies are just over-exhausted. There's something – they have to sit down. They have to sit down and think about what they want to do fast. I don't know. It just I don't know what exactly, but some kind of a system, right? Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm sure that as this continues, the the spotlight may be put on on these wrestling companies because, you know, God forbid anybody gets seriously hurt or anything like that. But, um, you know, I will say that it seems like WWE in this instance had all their their eyes uh, dotted and their T's crossed because um, I know Daniel Bryan had went to a lot of doctors and the rumor is that you know a lot of them cleared him. Um, but it was the WWE doctor that wouldn't clear him. So, um, you know, I don't know what they saw that the other people didn't, but, you know, I, as, as selfish as it is to want to see Daniel Bryan continue to compete, I would never want anything bad to happen to him. And so, um, you know, I think we've talked to a lot of people on this show before, and they've said that WWE's doctors and staff and stuff have went, you know, just so much more in depth over the years than their, uh, you know, they're just making sure that these guys are getting better and getting the help they need. And so I am thankful for that. But I mean, for a selfish reason, once again, I would love to see a roster split that would kind of ease up everybody, I think. And then also it may help with, uh, with overworking some of these people. So, um, I'm in favor. I also think that, you know, take a look at some of these moves, these finishing moves, I never, I'm not a big fan of the coup de gras, the, the jumping off. I, I was always nervous when Loki did it or Caval or, you know, um, Sinchi and TNA, but, um, also I'm not a big fan of it now with Finn. I think that he's got so much more potential and there's so many finishing moves out there that, I mean, like you look at the guys that are getting the biggest injuries and they're the guys that are doing the, the high flying moves and we all love to see it, but, at, at what cost, really? Exactly. Uh, now I'm reminiscing a little bit now, too, because uh, I was actually at the Ring of Honor show where it was Nigel McGuinness versus Daniel Bryan. Uh, I don't know. I think it was like 2009, maybe. I forget. It was it was around 8 or 9 or something like that. And, man, now look at it how many years later. Nigel McGuinness couldn't even uh, get uh, signed because of his injuries. And now Daniel Bryan is retired because of uh, the kind of injuries he has. And they're young guys, too, man. You know what I mean? It's like it's not like, ah, well, they're 50. It's about time. You know what I mean? Uh, it's crazy how you know some of these things are happening now to where uh, Steve Austin was actually on Fox the other day, and he was talking about some of these injuries, and he, uh, he, he made a good point to where you know things are a lot faster these days, more athletic. They're doing a lot more crazier stuff, and you know it's, it's just happening all too soon. Back in the day, you look at Hogan and this and that. Um, he's wrestling on TV like once a month or something like that. You know what I mean? To where uh, he's not on TV every week doing something every you know five days a week nonstop. To where you saw him, but it was like gradually spaced out. And these guys today, man, it's all nonstop every day, more athletic. You know, rush, 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 and it's just uh, the whole, it's finally kicking in. To I don't know a lot of these injuries, man. But speaking of Nigel McGuinness, uh, do you remember him too? I remember he was about to get signed from WWE too, but whatever his injuries were, I don't know the specifics, but uh, he couldn't even get signed either. Yeah, there's uh, an amazing documentary that kind of chronicles that whole thing, and it's called The Last of Nigel McGuinness. And um, I I highly urge everybody to go out there and check out that that DVD. Um, but you know, it's it's a shame because for every handful of wrestlers that have, you know, followed their dream and, and went, there's another handful that probably tried to go and, and, you know, some sort of injury kept them from, from competing. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough business. That's why they always talk about this, 
you know, it's, don't try this at home. It's not, it may be staged, but it's not fake. And, mm-hmm. you know, these, these guys and gals are putting their, their lives really on the line. And I think that one of the things that I saw was a lot of the older guys, the guys who were wrestling, I mean, if you think about it, back in the day, a headlock was, you know, one of those risky moves. And uh, they never jumped off the top rope. And, you know, they didn't have these ladder matches. And they didn't, I mean, I cringe. You know, I watch these matches and I just, I, you know, it's exciting. And, I, I mean, I'll tell you one of my favorite matches to date was the Shane McMahon versus Kurt Angle King of the Ring match where he threw Shane through about 15 plates of glass and, um, you know, beat him up and did an angle slam off the top rope. And um, it was an exciting match. But the whole time I was just thinking, you know, one of these guys isn't going to make it through this. And um, I think that us as fans have gotten more and more greedy over the years. And it's, you know, it's the, the nature of things. We That's why we don't all play Nintendo now. We have, uh, you know, PlayStation 4s and Xbox Ones and all that stuff. But um, I got a qu- yeah, I'm sorry, Jonathan, to cut you off. Yeah. Uh, I got a question to, before I forget it. <laughs> uh, do you think this kind of, uh, uh, this whole thing with Daniel Bryan now, do you think it snowballs into maybe a lot of guys on the indie scenes smartening up a little bit, being like, wow, maybe I shouldn't be doing all this crazy stuff because I actually want a, a long and prosperous career. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, do you think a lot of guys will wisen up or is it just like, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a, a catch 22. I think it's one of those things. How do these indie wrestlers get noticed? Yeah. Um, because they do crazy things that the fans want them to do. Yeah. And what's the worst thing for them to do the crazy things. So, um, I don't, I don't think you're going to see it slow down. I think that a lot of people had a lot of respect for Daniel Bryan, but, um, until the fans kind of, you know, it's the same thing with ECW. Like you, you see that, um, Mick Foley talked about it is, you know, these, these diehard ECW fans were really bloodthirsty and, you know, I've been, I've been watching wrestling forever and I've watched some amazing matches over the years that fans chant boring at just because no one you know, jumping off the top rope for 10 seconds. That's you know, right. a guy will throw a guy will throw a headlock on for five seconds and then a boring chance start or whatever. And I think that's a combination of fans just wanting to have their voices heard and also because we're preconditioned now to have these types of, of things. We've seen it all. Like, that's why, you know, the first ladder match that you saw, like, blew your mind. And if you go back and watch the Razor and Sean match, um, because that's really where a lot of people first saw a ladder match. Um, it wasn't that crazy. You know what I mean? It was for the time, but it was still great, and they told a great story. But now, you know, if someone doesn't go through a ladder or do a backflip off of the ladder onto another ladder, we, we think it's uh, a subpar match. And I think that our, our own bloodthirst and excitement, um, you know, seeking has kind of changed the, the business. And, not not for the best for these guys, really. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's kind of been, like, every few years or every so often, it's kind of been the same thing with concussions, concussions, concussions. I mean, uh, Edge, you know, had to retire the day after WrestleMania. Uh, and now, uh, more recently, too, before Daniel Bryan, Corey Graves, who just got his start in NXT, uh, you know, had two concussions down there, then had to announce his retirement. Uh you know, here's a guy that just got hired by them, and then, you know, th- these things happen to where uh, it-, it goes back to, like, how do they make it safer? You know, it's pro wrestling. Uh, you know, we understand that things are going to happen, but at the same time, it's like, uh, I, it, I don't know. It's a head scratcher. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's difficult, too, because, um, you know, it's a competitive sport for the wrestlers themselves. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're the top guy right now, you know, if you're um, Roman Reigns, all right, and you fall and twist your ankle, um, you know, if you miss one raw, then that's all right. But if you're gone for four to six months, then guess what? They've got someone waiting in the wings. Yep. And that's where it's it's bad because there's pressure. Um, maybe WWE doesn't put the pressure on the guys, but, you know, if you're not there, you're not on TV and the fans don't remember you because we all have short attention spans and short memories. So, um, it's, it's, it's sad. It really is because we know we care about these people, but yet we're the first ones to say, you know, 
bring them back early or I wish they'd be back now. And so it's, it's tough. It really is. It's just, uh, it's, it's the whole thing's kind of a catch 22 really. Yes, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, everybody listening out there, please uh, send us a tweet at a wrestling pod, a wrestling pod, or on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash another wrestling podcast. Uh, comment on the show. Uh, let us know your thoughts about, you know, all these concussions, all these injuries, uh, in, uh, you know, letting these guys retire early. Uh, maybe you have some ideas on what they could do. Uh, you know, let the world know. Let us know, uh, and we'll we'll be sure to read the best ones uh Next time on the show, uh, or if you want, you can call our hotline at 802-297-7672. That's 802-AWP-7672. Voice your opinions. Uh, Let us know. Uh, There's multiple ways to reach us, so we want you to be a part of the show. But joining us right now in the studio uh, is also another guest uh, who's actually hit with an injury, who actually uh, led to the split up of their tag team, the Headbangers. He is... Glenn Ruth, a.k.a. Thrasher, joining us right now. Joining us on today's show is someone who took pro wrestling by storm. He was a mainstay during the legendary WWF Attitude Era. He's a former WWE... F tag team and hardcore champion. Ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome Thrasher, Mr. Glenn Ruth. Glenn, how's it going, man? Hey, it's doing all right. You forgot one thing, NWA tag team champ. And NWA tag team champion, of course. That's right. <laughs> I got to get all the accolades I can get. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, many fans know about your wrestling career, but uh, wrestling wasn't the first sport you excelled in. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your football career brief- briefly? Oh, uh, well, you know, when I was younger, I played, uh, you know, like my local town had a, a pop warner, I guess they called it midget football or peewee football, whatever they called it. And I was like seven years old and I played high school or football throughout past high school and stuff like that. And, and, uh, was selected on the all state team and all American team, all that stuff. And had letters from colleges to go and, and I opted out and didn't do it. <laughs> now, did so, yeah, I was, I was quite. I was a quite. I guess uh, football player back then. Sure. Now, do you, do you wish you had stuck with football instead of pursuing pro wrestling? Uh, I wish I would have. You know, probably tried to go to college. I wish I would have attempted to go farther with it. Um, I was very hard headed when I was younger, so I wasn't um, more. I wasn't into school per se. I just went to, you know, I went to school to play sports. That's what I went to school for. You know, when I was, uh, in the beginning of school, I played, uh, you know, football and then during the winter I wrestled. And then, you know, I guess during the, the off time from wrestling or after wrestling was over, I hardly ever attended school then. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I went to school to play sports. So, you know, I, I just wasn't much into the whole, academics and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I wish I would have at least tried it. Sure. Uh, now fast forward a little bit. Uh, you started training at the monster factory, uh, was training for pro wrestling, uh, what you expected or was it tougher than you originally thought? It, it was so, it, the, the ironic thing about that was, is I was never really a wrestling fan. So I didn't know. I mean, I watched it every so often on, you know, uh, cable TV when they were over at the, the Philadelphia Spectrum way back when. And uh, I watched it occasionally, but I never really thought I was going to pursue it as a career. Mm-hmm. And then once I left uh, high school and I wasn't having that that physical contact and that aggression <laughs> release mm-hmm. or anything else like that, I was kind of missing that in my life. So instead of, you know, being with my mom or, you know, girlfriends at the time or anything else like that, I decided that it would be a safer bet to go try this thing called the pro, the pro wrestling stage and stuff like that. Mm. So, I mean, it was, it, I mean, it was, it was the thing that was the hardest was, was falling. I mean, because what's your first instinct when you're falling backwards Yeah, to put your arms down? Yep. You don't want to do that in pro wrestling. So you'll break your arms. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, just trying to, to break the mold of 
oh my god, I'm falling, let me catch myself to holy crap, let me just make sure I tuck my chin and don't bang my head on the mat and knock myself out. Yeah. Uh, now, was there one important thing maybe that uh, you took away from the Monster Factory that you learned there? Uh, everything. I mean, if it wasn't for that school and, and the teachings there and Larry Sharp and, you know, meeting the right people and stuff like that through him, I would have never, um, you know, I would have never been able to do what I did. I mean, you know, he let me, um, you know, once I got up and I was, uh, you know, through my training, because he let me, like, kind of, like, take the guys under my wing, and I was his head trainer at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's how I met Chaz. So, you know, he kind of he kind of paved the way for me for a lot of things. So, you know, without the Monster Factory, you know, like, I wouldn't have been anywhere that I was there. Sure. Now, uh, so, yeah. Uh, now, you toured the world spending time wrestling in Japan and, and various territories across the United States. Uh, what were some of the biggest differences, maybe, between your time in Japan and wrestling here in the U.S.? Um, wow. God, well, Japan, Japan was so weird because I knew nothing about Japan. I was in the business maybe six to eight months before I went over to Japan for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really, I was greener than, than the grass is. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was just, it was such a shock to, it was my first time ever out of the country or anything else like that. So it was just really, it was bizarre because, you know, I, I, I've seen the, the, the fans in the States and how they react and stuff like that. And it wasn't like that over there. I mean, they react to, you know, pinfalls and, you know, stuff like that. And they don't really, you know, they're not sitting there yelling at you the whole time or anything else like that. It was, it was just the, the crowds were different. Sure. Right. And, you know, the, the, the psychology over there, I mean, it's, it's a little bit more intense over there than it is here because you can, I mean, back then you couldn't really do the, the ha-ha stuff or, you know, what the, Joey Ryan dick throw or whatever the <laughs> hell he did and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it wasn't really like that over there back then. Sure. I mean, you had, you had people like Abdullah the Butcher and Stan Hansen that the little Japanese people would just scatter if they looked at him. <laughs> I, I remember one time we were leaving one of the buildings and, uh, you know, Stan Hansen comes out and he has his cowbell in his hand and everything else and his, his rope and he swinged it over his head and everything else. And he just, you know, he could separate people just by looking at them and they would just look back at him and just run. <laughs> it was the same thing was that door of the butcher. And, and, you know, it was just nuts. It, it, the, the amount of respect I want to say that the fans had over in Japan mm-hmm. is far different than the respect that's over here in the States. Sure. Now, uh, uh, speaking of territories that you worked for, uh, USWA, uh, uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, uh, before going to the WWF, uh, do you think that territories made you uh, a more rounded or more rounded as a performer? Absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, it, it didn't matter then how much you were getting paid or anything else like that. It, you were in the ring five, six nights a week, honing your character, honing your skills, wrestling different people. You know, just different different things, different things that happened in the ring, how to react to them and stuff like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, between Smoky Mountain and USWA, absolutely. I mean, we became the headbangers in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Jim Cornette actually gave us the headbanger name. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's, you know, what's different nowadays. There, there is no territories like that. Sure. Uh, now, speaking of the headbangers, uh, you and Chaz were brought into WWF. Uh, at that time, was uh, Vince or anybody excited about the headbangers, or was there any other ideas being thrown uh, about for you guys? Well, it was weird because when we came into WWF, it was we were under Jim Cornette was closing down Smoky Mountain. He was he, he couldn't spend the time at Smoky Mountain because he was more doing full time with WWF. So he went to Vince and he said, listen, you know, I got lots of guys that I would like to try to get in here and everything else. So Vince came up with a part-time contract. And what the part-time contract consists of 
were guys that just came in and did TVs. Monday, Tuesday, every single week. That's all you did was Monday, Tuesday TVs. Hmm. So, and then he wanted to get away from the whole squash matches where the superstars went out and became superstars. He wanted the more competitive back and forth, and then the superstar. And so he wanted more competitive matches. Mm-hmm. So we went in for our tryout, and it was so funny because it, it was um, Vince and Shane are up at the gorilla position, and, and, and everybody's up there, Pat Patterson and Grill Monsoon, and, and everybody's up there. And, um, he, he, Shane looks at us, he goes, oh, my God, you guys are wearing Marilyn Manson shirts. I love that guy. <laughs> So yeah, Shane McMahon was a huge Manson. I don't know if he was a huge Manson. He was yeah. a Manson fan. <laughs> he had his autobiography book in his office and stuff like that. So I, I think they were more, I mean, impressed with how we were ring wise mm-hmm. because we went in there and um, one of the matches, one of the first matches we had were with Doug and Phil, Doug Furness and Phil Lafong, mm-hmm. and. Um, we, I mean, they came fresh over from Japan, and they were known for their, you know, speed in the ring and their back and forth and spots after spot. And we went in there and we hung right with them and everything else. And here's these two kids that nobody's really heard of, and are, you know, hanging in there with, with uh, two of the greats from Japan and everything else. So I guess it was an eye opener, and you know, that pretty much gave us our mark. Great. So. Yeah, sure. Uh, you guys enjoyed a lot of success. You guys enjoyed a lot of success during your time in the WWF. You also uh, got to be a part of one of the most infamous eras in wrestling as well. Uh, what are some of your favorite parts about wrestling during the Attitude Era? Uh, just the, 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 the competition. Mm-hmm. It, the, the thing that made the Attitude Era great and even you know did the WCW Era great was because they were trying to beat us and we were trying to beat them. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you like Pepsi? Because you don't like Coke. Mm-hmm. Why'd you like WCW? Because you didn't like Vince and the WWF. Mm-hmm. You know, vice versa. Sure. So it was it was just that constant competition. And whenever you were on, you always wanted to make sure your segment or your time slot or you know your TV time was going to out rank or out draw what WCW was doing. You wanted to make sure more fans were watching WWF at that time when you were on TV than they were watching Nitro. So it was all, it was it was just that that oh my god we got to beat them this week oh we came so close but yeah we're gonna get them next week mm-hmm. it was that, that 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 constant competition and back then I felt like the locker room everybody felt like a family you know um, you know God willing and I hope you know Bret Hart makes it through his uh, latest uh, bout he has but uh, I'm sure he will he's the one of the toughest people I know. Mm-hmm. Um, with his cancer that he's uh, actually having surgery today for. Yeah, um, and we wish him nothing but the best. So, um, you know, everybody knew where their position was in the company. Everybody knew, you know, who the main event was. It was Taker, it was Steve, it was Sean, it was Brad. It was, you know, they were the main event guys. That's who the people were coming to see. And then they were also glad to see the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we all knew the pecking order and everything else. And I just felt like back then that the locker room wasn't so cutthroat or, or, you know, out to get each other or anything else from what I hear it's like now. Not that I, I know or anything else because I don't know. Sure. <laughs> I, I haven't watched it on TV. I couldn't tell you who their champion was right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, well, speaking well, a little bit about uh, locker rooms, uh, we always hear about a, a crazy uh, partying and that happened in the EC, ECW locker room, but we have to assume that maybe something like that was going on during the Attitude Era. Are, are there any cr- uh, fun stories or anything that comes to your mind that, have, uh, that went on during your time in the WWF or no? I mean, I, we always had the, the, you know, of course, with, Davey and Owen being in, in the locker room with you, you always had, you know, those two pulling pranks on you with either dropping stink bombs when you're sitting there talking to Vince and, you know, Vince is looking at you like you just, you know, <laughs> shit yourself. Or, you know, you go in at the end of the night after Raw's over and you go to grab your, 
your, your wrestle bag and it's attached to a table because, you know, Owen just padlocked your bag to the table, oh. you know, and then you got to show up the next day at SmackDown with this table and your bag. <laughs> so, I mean, there was always stuff like that, 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 sure. that went on, it, not so much partying wise or anything else like that. I mean, guys respected it. Sure. I guess the locker room like that, mm-hmm. not saying anything bad about ECW because <laughs> they were their own niche. I mean, sure, ECW, yeah. there'll never be another one like it. Mm-hmm. So of course. Know, it was a lot different. You know, I guess for us, we, we didn't really have that kind of partying or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been a couple of times, that, you know, I've heard Bradshaw, you know, duct tape certain guys to tables. <laughs> so, you know, just, just for fun, yeah. just because. <laughs> All right. Well, so, you know, sure couple times in that you would hide Mark Henry's crutches when he had a broken leg and say Vince wanted to talk to him by the ring and have him start hopping all the way down the ring and then <laughs> say, never mind, here's to have him hop all the way. Yeah, I mean, just sure, yeah, funny yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, now, um, fast forward a little bit more now, too. After leaving the WWF, you joined the ranks of uh, the independent wrestling scene. Did you guys enjoy the freedom uh, that you had performing d- during that time? Was it less hectic, you know, the um, WWF? <laughs> It's funny because, I mean, the traveling and the schedule that, that you have to have with the WWE is, oh, my God, it's ungodly. The, the amount of time that you're on the road versus the time that you're home and everything. You're home enough time to, you know, unload your bag, wash, wash your clothes, and then repack and leave again on, on Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were on a card Friday night, you got in Wednesday, you had enough time to do wash, you know, maybe see the kids for a half a day and then you were back on the plane again. So, I mean, the fact of doing the independence and stuff like that, it gives you a little bit more freedom. You can kind of pick and choose and stuff like that. I mean, we like doing them because we're giving back to the younger guys. I mean, I've always liked being able to, you know, not saying that I'm the, you know, have all this knowledge or anything else, but just being able to give them, you know, different scenarios and sure. say, Hey, you know, back when I was doing this or, you know, I would do it this way and, mm-hmm. you know, just passing on the knowledge and stuff like that to the younger guys and telling these kids, you know what, you might not want to do that moonsault missile for the top rope every single time you wrestle, because you should save that for a big time, Yeah, yeah. you know, a big match or, you know, you know, you won't be able to walk that much later. <laughs> Definitely. I know so it's basically, you know, doing the independence is almost like a, a constant training seminar kind of thing when you are with certain guys. So, sure. which, which we, we both enjoy. Sure. Uh, now throughout your wrestling career, did you ever feel uh, out of love with professional wrestling? Um, probably when I initially left WWF, mm-hmm. I, I, fell out of love with everything. I mean, I didn't go to the gym anymore. I didn't, you know, nothing. I, I got into the restaurant business and stuff like that. And I ballooned up to 315 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I distanced myself so far from pro wrestling. People didn't even know that was me. And then, uh, you know, I, I just, it was like a wake up call. I looked at myself one time and I came down to Florida to see Chaz and everything else. And, and, uh, it was more of a wake up call. And I didn't, I, I didn't want to go out like that. I wanted to go out like my way and, sure. and stuff like that. And I, I feel like what we're doing now and, and, you know, doing the independence here and there and stuff like that. And, and, uh, being able to go out, you know, my way and, the way we want to go out. Sure, definitely. Uh, now, have you guys heard anything about uh, uh, WWE re-registering the Headbangers trademark? Because I think it's about time we see some more Headbangers uh, action figures or even some video game cameos. <laughs> um, we have not heard anything like that. Actually, now um, we own the, the trademark on it and stuff like that. So, um, I... I Unfortunately, I don't see that happening. I mean, I can't even get us on the alumni page, let alone uh, on a video game or or a classic action figure or anything else like that. But I mean, I would love to. I would love to go up for an old time raw or or you know, just one last you know walk to the ring or anything else for for anything. I would absolutely love it. Just 
I think we're going to have to start a Just grassroots because. movement now to get you guys up there now. I think all the fans I, out there I, are going to have to come together. <laughs> <laughs> I, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Now, uh, Glenn, we know if, you're... If we, you're I, yep. I would actually be interested to see how the fans today would react to us Definitely. and how we are. Definitely. Lightning round. Is there a tag team that you would like to work with uh, that you've never worked with before? Freebirds. All right. Uh, favorite football team? Dallas Cowboys. Uh, what <laughs> What are your What are your interests outside of the pro wrestling world? Uh, going to Disney World. Favorite musician? Miley Cyrus. And if That's you. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> If you had a, what was the greatest moment of your wrestling career? If you could narrow it by, uh, by one moment. Uh, WrestleMania 13 and winning the tie belts. Now, uh, Glenn, everybody uh, out there, they're kind of in the social media universe. Is there a way fans can keep up with you today on social media? Absolutely, they can reach me on on Twitter at gr thrasher t h r a s h e r. I do my best to follow everyone back and talk to everybody on social media because if it wasn't for the fans and, and everybody out there, there wouldn't be you know, pro wrestlers. There wouldn't be the headbangers. There wouldn't be us. We have nobody to, to work for or in front of. Awesome. Glenn uh, Thrasher, we thank you so much for joining us today, and we really appreciate your time. All right, man. Thanks for having me. All right, we want to thank Thrasher for coming on and headbanging with us today. Um, if you haven't listened to all of our interviews or seen all of our content on YouTube, um, I highly urge you all to go over to youtube.com slash another wrestling pod. Guys, hit that subscribe button, uh, leave a comment, um, and you know we are constantly putting more and more content on there. We've got great interviews with people and YouTube exclusives that you can't see anywhere else. So go on over, once again, youtube.com slash another wrestling pod. All right, Jonathan, uh, we're talking about injuries, you know, the tragedy of, uh, you know, guys like Daniel Bryan having to retire early. Um, but I got another thing for you, too. It kind of has to go along with all this. Um, there was there was a fan the other night. Uh, he was uh, chanting, na, 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 na. Hey, 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 goodbye. You know, we get the whole point. Uh, he was chanting yeah. that song uh, during the Daniel Bryan speech, and he was kicked out by security, and he wrote online, blah, blah, blah. He was kicked out, blah, blah, blah. And people online are saying, oh, it's a freedom of speech. Why would you kick him out during this? And I'm like, I don't know what your opinion is, Jonathan, but let me just get this off my chest, and maybe you could help uh, fill, fill in the gaps here. But, uh, you know, it has to go a big part about, you know, this is, at the end of the day, it's a show. Uh, you know, it's a very athletic show, you know, it's, we're part of what, what they're presenting to us at the, at the arena or whatnot. Um, and to be this disrespectful, I don't care if you hate the guy or not a fan of him, you know, the guy is saying goodbye, you know, pouring out his heart, telling him what happened. It's not, it's not scripted, you know, it's not part of the show. It's like, this is his goodbye from it. And it's like, I was, I was raised with respect. You know what I mean? Like granted, if you hate this person, you're still going to respect whatever they have to say. And then you carry on, you know what I mean? So for this guy, I remember even happening at the hall of fame too, where people were just chanting uh, different stuff. But you know, is there a lot of, a lot of lack of respect in some of the fans to where, you know, they think they could just do whatever they want. You know, it's like, Oh, I paid my ticket. I could do what I want. I mean, th this fan, I think is just garbage to, to what he was doing. And like I said, I don't care if you hate the guy or you're not a fan of Daniel Bryan, but it, it's like, grow up, you know, don't be a dick, you know, just if you don't like him, just shut up. Right. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of annoyed by this, but uh, it's kind of going around right now. It's kind of, you know, being talked about a lot. Listen, um, the way I feel about it is it shouldn't be any surprise. Um, you know, I myself also uh, brought up with respect, you know, pull out a chair for somebody, open the door for somebody, and it's just bad manners. Uh, we were at the Hall of Fame when, you know, Trish Stratus was getting inducted and people were hooting and hollering at her and booing her husband. And, you know, that's a special night for her. And uh, it's the same for Daniel Bryan. 
you know, he just got told basically that he can't do the thing, the one thing that he loves more than anything. And, uh, it's not about love and hate at that point. I mean, I can't even think of a wrestler that I dislike that much that I would want to ever be that disrespectful to them. Um, yeah, you know, your, your ticket, um, gives you certain rights, but, um, you know, I think that that's the thing is a lot of these fans nowadays, we've seen it down at NXT. We've seen it at independent shows. We've seen it at WWE. We've seen it anywhere that there's wrestling. We've seen fans that, um, want to be part of the show. And I think that that's what this is. You know, he probably even sitting down thinking about it. Like, yeah, that was a dick move. Um, I, I, there's no reason for it. Um, you know, I don't care if you don't like, John Cena or whatever, but that's the, that's what's crazy about it. I, I you know, the the thing is that someone will say, "God, I hate John Cena, but I sure respect him for all that work he does with, you know, Make a Wish or whatever." And it's like, okay, well, just then keep your mouth shut whenever it comes to this stuff. You're you're free to boo Daniel Bryan in a wrestling setting. You know, if yeah. he's wrestling your your favorite wrestler, then have at it. But I was just going to say, you hit the nail on the head again because, you know, with the whole John Cena thing to where Cena comes out, people are chanting, let's go Cena, Cena sucks. And that's fine because even people are saying Cena sucks or having fun with it, Um, you know, and it's not disrespectful, but it's not like Cena saying, hey, I'm retiring because of my head injury or whatever. And then you're booing him like that would never happen. You know what I mean? It's it's just some of these fans, man. They just I feel like they're in that high school setting. They need to like show off or try to be cool. And it's just like, no. If you're gonna do this, just just don't go to the show. Don't ruin it for other people. Don't be that guy. Uh, you know, I, I guess some of these fans just have to realize, like you know, or maybe they just weren't taught respect as uh, as kids. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those well, things. Well, we can beat it into them. <laughs> That's it. If you're at a next show and nobody's respecting the show, beat them up. Tell them AWP yeah. sent you or something like that. It's probably bad press for us, but it's you know, no press is good or no press is bad press or something like that. Anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. but no, I, I I think that at the end of the day, um, this is a life. You know, this is something that it, it goes beyond just uh, just wrestling. And uh, you know, Daniel Bryan, um, love him or hate him as a performer, gave his heart and soul for the thing that we all claim to love so much. So if if you do indeed love the sport of professional wrestling, yesterday uh, or Monday for Raw was uh, a sad day and um you know we should all respect him and his accomplishments and his sacrifices and um they said it a lot and i'm grateful for him i'm also grateful for professional wrestling because it allows us to do what we're doing right now and you know steve and i we don't have the same opinions on everything but um we talk about it and we discuss it in a civil manner and uh i think a lot of people could learn a lesson from what we do here every week that's right. Uh, you know, so at the end of the day, guys, tell us what you think, too. Once again, uh, Facebook.com slash Another Wrestling Podcast. Give us a like, tell, comment on the show, uh, or tweet us at A Wrestling POD. That's A Wrestling Pod. Uh, tweet us, Facebook us, whatever. We're out there. So comment on the show. Let us know your thoughts about, you know, maybe being respectful as fans. And maybe if you ever encountered somebody being disrespectful at a show, uh, what happened? Tell us. We'd like to hear. Today's show is brought to you by... Hey, Jonathan, I know obviously you're a big pro wrestling fan. The last time I hung out with you, you had a lot of unique pro wrestling items on you and with you. Uh, where, where do you get all this merchandise? Well, Steve, for once in your life, you can be just like me. And all of our listeners out there can be just like me as well. Um, I get my one-of-a-kind wrestling merchandise from ProWrestlingCrate.com. Now, Pro Wrestling Crate is uh, one of the latest crate subscriptions that you can get. But the best part about this is it's so unique and different than any of the other crates that are out there. Each month, uh, they're curated by a wrestler or a, a certain group involved with wrestling, and everything in the crate kind of revolves around a certain theme. Uh, you get shirts, you get buttons, you get pins, you get coasters, you get everything. And most of this stuff is one of a kind. Uh, if you don't get it, if you don't subscribe to Pro Wrestling Crate, then you really aren't going to be able to get this stuff. And uh, if you want any more information, be sure to go on over to our friends at Pro Wrestling Crate. You can follow them on Twitter at PW Crate. Um, they also have an Instagram, who doesn't these days, 
at Pro Wrestling Crate, and you can go to their website and sign up, which we highly suggest you do at ProWrestlingCrate.com. Hey, now I know. All right, guys, check out Mania Crawl this year. If you're headed down to WrestleMania, uh, you're going to want to go to this, especially if you're uh, a pub crawl kind of a fan. So, you know, you've been to you've been out drinking or whatnot with your friends and you did a little pub crawl. Well, this is a Mania Crawl. So during WrestleMania weekend, uh, they're going to be starting in Dallas uh, down there. Uh, you can find out all the information on ManiaCrawl.com. But, guys, uh, all the money raised is going to be going towards Connor's Cure and the Children's Hospital. They have an official donation page you can check out at GiveToChildrens.org. Uh, they're also going to be selling Mania Crawl t-shirts via Teespring. Uh, until February 28th, uh, Teespring kicks back around $6 per shirt, which is also being donated towards Connor's Cure in the Children's Hospital. So be sure to check that out at teespring.com slash maniacrawl. And they've also teamed up with Uber. Uh, they will be the official designated driver of Maniacrawl 2016. They're going to be creating a code. They'll probably be announcing soon. Make sure you stay tuned to maniacrawl.com. Uh, this code will earn new riders their first ride for free up to $20. And every time somebody uses Uber, the promo code, uh, they'll raise $5 towards Connor's Cure and the Children's Hospital as well. So once again, you're still raising money for a great cause. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram at ManiaCrawl. Uh, and you can visit their website at ManiaCrawl.com or even contact them at contact at ManiaCrawl.com. Once again, AWP supports this because it's going to a great cause. So make sure you head on over to ManiaCrawl.com. Well, that's the show. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening today. Every week we do this show free of charge for you, the fans. If you're wondering how to repay us, we have just the thing. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, be sure to rate us and give us a good review. And if you're looking for more information about AWP, then head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. We are all over social media, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and more. And if you're an AWP super fan, you can go show your support by going over to ProWrestlingTees.com and buying one of our official AWP shirts. We couldn't do this show without you, so tune in next week for... <sighs> Another Wrestling Podcast. Podcast.